0: The NFL's salary cap is way bigger than expected and I wish that wasn't a story because it sounds so nerdy, but it's a really big deal and Nick and I are going to talk through that, the NFL Combine, all the wild rumors going on, and if we've got time, which defensive players we think may just jump out of the gym. It's all coming at you on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us. I'm your host, Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of Bears' blog, right here alongside Nick Whalen, my co-host of Football Guys, as we try to bring you the most Chicago Bears-obsessed podcast we possibly can once or twice a week. Nick, how you doing, man?
1: Uh, I'm excited. I mean, we have um, a lot of stuff brewing in Bears talk uh, with, you know, a certain position. But then we also have the combine here, which I love the combine because I love the NFL draft. So this is just the prelude to one of my favorite times of the year. It really is right. This is the Thanksgiving before Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. You, you don't get the whole
0: week off, but you get that solid five day weekend or so. And you're like, Hey, no, 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 we're celebrating. This is the celebration before the celebration. And I want to start at the nerdiest thing possible. Not because it's nerdy, Nick, but because, at least to me, this was a big deal. About to make a reference that only adults in the chat are going to understand, so hang with me, guys. But hearing that the NFL's salary cap jumped from a projected $242 million to an actual $255 million was like an adult that's been setting their budget for the better part of five to six months, and they forgot that their tax return was going to come back and give them, like, three and a half thousand extra dollars and now they're like whoa okay maybe i can afford to redo my floors i don't know whatever whatever you do with your money get that new fridge it's always got to be spent on something inside the house right all this to say nick we've been talking for weeks about the bears free agency options but this 13 million dollars that they really didn't i i don't think they expected it Maybe they've been expecting it, and that's why they've been linked to guys like Daniil Hunter, et cetera, et cetera. But -hmm. this gives you just enough room to where if you wanted to go get one of those top-shelf guys, actually the money's kind of there now. And if you wanted Mm -hmm. to spend bigger on a position like Lloyd Cushenberry, who PFF, he's a center, that PFF has projected for $14 million a year, if you want to go that route, you can. If you wanted to spend bigger on one of the receivers available, though after the franchise tag's been applied, There's not many of them available. Like you have the flexibility to go after one of these guys.
1: So Nick, which one would you go after? (laughs) Um, I would stay true to kind of what I want. And I want a safety and I want a center for sure. So to me, I would, this, I think upgrades who you can get in the safety class. Like if you want to go get Xavier McKinney, the best guy who can do run and pass and is young from the Giants, now you can afford him. Also, with if it's Cushingberry or their top center, you know what's what's interesting. Did Winfield about, get tagged? Are you off the Winfield train? I think he'll get tagged. I think.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: I, I don't. I don't. I. I think they're not going to tag Baker or Evans, and I think they're going to tag Winfield. But um, to me, like if you think about this, the Bears already had cap space. This increase in the cap hurt Chicago versus the rest of the NFL. The rest of the NFL that had that had you know they're pushing off money and dead cap issues and all this kind of stuff this helps saves them more than Chicago who already cleaned the books and and they didn't need to get saved if that makes sense so
0: i agree with you in the sense that the top end of top end say guys like kansas city so this helps kansas city try to keep chris jones to use an mm-hmm. example I think it helps the bears sign that one middle tier free agent that we couldn't figure out how they were going to fit into the budget, right? It's a give and a take, if you will, where not everything about this cap increase helps the bears, but especially assuming a Jalen Johnson tag, Nick, the difference between 25 to $30 million in cap space versus 43 to $45 million in cap space, I think is pretty sizable. It doesn't help you that the whole rest of the league also gets access to this money, but what, 10 of the teams are in cap debt at the moment? Another 10 teams, or I think it's like closer to five or six, don't have enough money to really play in free agency anyways, so this is just a 10 to 15% contract increase to every contract you'll hand out. So now Bryce Huff goes from, let's say, a projected deal of $15.5 million to a projected deal of $17 million. Well, within the Bears' range. And the extra increase means that that $13 million of extra space that they have more than covers the gap of what that contract becomes and I think helps Chicago get a little more of what they want, even though that means that the Chris Jones dream is dead.
1: You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? Yeah. So here's the interesting thing, uh, and and we have to stay on the free agency because we'll have a lot of time to talk that, I think, in future (laughs) pods. Do do you do you think Paul stays true cuz he's he's pretty much stayed true to I want to sign youngerish players mm-hmm. in free agency that have more time within their prime that might not be the highest end guys but I think that they're good values. Do you think he's going to stay that route or you think he'll sign a Daniil Hunter, Chris Jones, a guy that's 29-30? I mean, even Calvin Ridley, you go you're wide receiver. He's 29, I think. Do you think he'll go older or do you think he stays to his philosophy? Stu- shooting
0: straight with you, Nick, I don't know yet. Like, normally, I would give you some kind of answer about exactly what I think because I'm mm-hmm. a pretty opinionated fella. But when it comes to Ryan Poles right now, I can't tell if we're at an inflection point. What I have seen, whether you're talking about Joe Douglas, whether you're talking about... Joe Shane. Whether you're talking about every recent GM hire in football, they all start if they think they need to rebuild as the uh, what the starched collar. We're not gonna pay anybody any more than they're worth, and we're
1: gonna we keep build through the draft, we build Robert. The
0: draft, we're gonna keep everything young because mm-hmm. we're building towards the future. And the moment that something tips, whether that's a, a lot of times it's something going wrong, like drafting Zach Wilson and it not working out or in Joe Shane's case, the Daniel Jones extension, shockingly not being the right move. Wow,
1: right? Or, or drafted him that high, but anyways.
0: That's but that wasn't them. That was Gettleman. I know. I know, I'm just saying. They didn't have to stick with him. Almost like another situation. We can talk about that later. Uh, because it became Shane's choice the moment they extended him. Anyways, uh, the point being that if Ryan Poles sees potentially resetting at quarterback or sticking with you know what we can even generalize this nick whether you're sticking with justin not sticking with justin drafting a new quarterback whatever you're doing you are making a decision that is going to be newsworthy because Mm -hmm. it's newsworthy to the league it's going to be newsworthy to your owner and if that means that you need 2024 to at least have some good vibes well then maybe you
1: do take the better player If that's what's going through Pols's mind, right? So, so speaking of like better players that aren't going to be out there, uh, and I'm going to mess up on this name, but I'm going to give it a try. Okay, Justin Medebik. I think you got it. Close, right? Baltimore D tackle that uh, had a great year, Uh, and I mean they had a great defense, but I mean he was a great year in the middle. He's going to get tagged from what what, what we hear, Um, but. I don't think Christian Wilkins is. So you're looking at like, who could that high-end guy be if it's not Chris Jones or Daniel Hunter and maybe a little younger? Maybe Christian Wilkins is out there because they had to cut some people. Well, and then you're looking for, okay, maybe I don't want to shop on the top shelf. Maybe I want to shop on
0: the shelf underneath that top shelf. I don't even know if that exists, man, because Grenard from Texas or from the Texans. Yeah, apparently he wants that Daniil Hunter money. And so you start looking at this free agency thing and it's just another reminder, Nick, that that like bargain move to bring in an impact player doesn't really exist like if you're going to bring in an impact player you're going to do it with a guy like TJ Edwards who's a former UDFA and carries the risk of being potentially just a system fit wherever he was rather than trying to sign Jermaine Edmonds Edmonds and the let's call it what it is Nick at the time that deal was probably what do you think four million dollars four and a half million dollars a year in overpay I mean it was yep. a known overpay at the time mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. what it took to get a former first round pick at 25 26 years old playing linebacker in the middle of your defense that's the market price right yep. if you're going to get a young potentially on the rise edge rusher good luck getting him for an affordable contract right. that makes all the fans feel happy
1: do you do you think bryce huff even fits because he's
0: six one and a half i think I haven't really thought he fit in Chicago even as we've talked about him, which is largely why I guess I've talked about Daniil Hunter. That would just be a matter of if Floose is comfortable rotating Walker and Huff and trying to get the, what, Goku-Vegeta fusion of all the pass rush you get from Huff on third down and all the run defense you get from Walker on first and second Mm -hmm. down. That kind of leaves you still gasping for an edge four that's actually an edge three, right? right? But separate problem to solve and yeah. moreover man can we be really real that number nine pick is a great spot to take jared verse dallas turner latui latu if you've got a favorite edge rusher that's a great spot for it yep. we just don't
1: want that <laughs> you know what i, I mean? know i well i i just they're not that number nine spot because i mean we're always talking about caleb or drake or fields like but that nine—I mean, they have another top ten pick. That nine spot, I think, is it could be Joe Alt. I doubt he gets there. Could be Brock Bowers. Could be the top edge that you want. All those guys are there. I mean, there it's—I mean, Jalen Johnson. We haven't talked about that yet, but like, it could be your top corner, right? Doubt but, it, but it could be. It could right, be. Right. I mean, if whatever. I mean, you could. But what I would do, I—I I think you move up slightly to make sure you get your the, the third best receiver there.
0: Well, okay, so you want to talk about moving up, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so look, we'll get to Jalen Johnson. Let's put a pin in that because Jalen Johnson's another major part of this cap market conversation. You brought up the juicy topic that I guess we have to talk about because whether it's Jeremy Fowler, whether it's Ian Rappaport, whether it's uh, Ryan polls saying we're going to do right by Justin, whether it's everybody freaking out over an Instagram video and completely mischaracterizing <laughs> what it is. Like obviously everybody is tuned up right now to talk about Justin Fields potentially getting traded. So here's my question to you, Nick uh, Atlanta calls you right. They're offering you a third this year, a conditional third next year. That's a fourth. If Justin doesn't play enough and a pick swap, from eight to nine, do you take this deal partially to get the pick swap so that you're that little bit closer and might pay that little bit less to go up to I don't know six, maybe swap with Tennessee at seven to try to leak into that last wide receiver.
1: Um, I mean, it depends on the market. To, to for me, I think I do it because one, depending on how free agency goes you might not get a market for fields to get anything that's super valuable. So getting, you know, at worst there, the eighth pick, uh, the swap, a third and a fourth, that's the worst case scenario. That's not bad. I, I, I mean, I was hoping it for a be two better. and something else. I'm hoping mean, for a one.
0: Even still, yeah. much, yeah. much as I would say otherwise, or as much as I would talk about how I think sticking with Fields is risky for Chicago going forward, I'm still a Bears fan. I would love for them to get as much for Fields as possible, partially mm-hmm. because, to be honest with you, Nick, between the Bears, Justin Fields, and the team Justin Fields is traded to, I care about them in that exact order. That other team trading a bunch for Fields so that Fields can get paid, I don't really care how well that team does. Like I'm stoked for Justin that he got his payday. I'm stoked for the Bears that they got that draft capital. That's the everybody wins scenario. I just am mm-hmm. m- wondering whether it's going to happen.
1: You know, yeah. I mean, well, because I actually I, I couldn't remember what it was, so I just looked up. Trey Lance got traded for a fourth. Yeah, that's Which, the floor here. Right, and, and I, I well, well, I mean, obviously Justin Fields has done much better than Trey much. Lance. But I'm, I was just looking. I was like, I forgot what the capital was. I mean, that was uh, we're moving him we just got to get rid of them and they still got a fourth so i mean right <clears throat> i think that i mean you know there's rumors of pittsburgh and you know other things too um i think i would do it because if you move up y'all like malik neighbors and ron would do and say they are good like very good and oh, yeah. you you get either of them opposite dj moore and again i am i don't like to i'm not going to project careers but like you're putting that same Cincinnati like situation for whatever quarterback you go with, you know? And so to me, like, I was looking at um, Caleb Williams and Drake May's tape from 2023. And then I started looking at it from 2022. And 2022 was, they're more confident. They do the ball on time more, they had better numbers. And I'm like, yeah, they, they had, like, better receivers in 2022. Their offensive line wasn't letting guys just run through in the middle. Like, and, and we think about, you know, with Justin, we've talked about this. Like, he has been surrounded well, you know, especially two years ago. Oh, yeah. And that happens in college, too, y'all. Like, you know, we need to surround whatever quarterback it is well. And that's why, you know, I want the center. You talked about Cushion and Barry. That's why we need the other receiver, like, surrounding them is just going to let them flourish and so like to me I think moving up is is pretty essential to get that third receiver
0: well and you know it's so funny right I'm gonna try not to get off of too much of a tangent here but so I'm sitting here scouting safeties today so that I could record the episodes of building the board that are dropping here soon and if not you can get to the live streams we covered corners and safeties just recently and you got to hear some of my takes on those players but as I'm watching USC's Kalen Bullock Nick I'm You know, for as much Caleb film as I've watched, the All-22 that I get is divided into offense and defense. So I hadn't actually sat down and watched the USC defense because I didn't have a reason to. And Nick, it got ghastly. Like, I mean, some of the defensive just integrity that I'm watching, it's practically a line of only three techs on the inside and their run lanes get bullied accordingly. But those outside corners and the safety outside of Caleb Bullock play some really bad defense and that obviously is going to make anybody press a little bit more than you'd hope they would in the nfl but let's put the excuses aside because here's what i keep thinking about nick in caleb williams's game against oregon there's a play where if he had worked the backside at elite aaron Rodgers speed maybe he would have had a 15 yard dig route but he doesn't instead he buys a little bit of time he gets out of the pocket he launches a 55 yard missile down the sidelines that gets caught for a massive game in the NFL 21 points in the first quarter is enough to ride out a victory against Arizona (laughs) because say what we will right? the NFL is it's a harder game the defenses are by and large better the margins are by and large tighter and you score less points partially because the clock stoppage rules make it to where there are just less time there's less time on the clock you get Mm -hmm. less drives in the game Why does this matter? It's because we are watching two players in Drake May and Caleb Williams that have a lot of these sparkling chunk plays, and they do it in a way that is repeatable, ridiculous as they do it at the NFL level. This should probably sound a lot like Justin Fields because this is how Justin Fields has lived and died over the last three years, but even Fields, Nick, is a great reminder that these chunk plays – Put points on the board. And if you can get those same chunk plays with just a little bit more structure, whatever that looks like, you might have yourself a hell of an offense. And the hope would be to agree with everything you're saying in the most roundabout way possible. That if you've got that sweet second receiver and you've even got a third receiver on top of that, don't have to be amazing. That could be like Curtis Samuel. That could be like Tyler Boyd.
1: Malachi Corley.
0: Malachi Corley. You, you get... Roma Dunze, you get DJ Moore, you get Malachi Corley. I bet you Tyler Scott finds something in a wide receiver oh, yeah. four role, yeah. and you get Braxton Jones into that third year where maybe he starts to turn even further a corner. Darnell Wright shows veterancy. Like we, hopefully, only one of the interior guys is a major problem. And even sign then, center. Sign a center. sinus center, sinus center. You you could be looking at an offense that doesn't have to be that amazing from the quarterback position to produce solid enough points for the Eberflus defense that we spent a whole half season making fun of and a whole half season bewildered by to just ride some wins out, Mm -hmm. especially bro. What if
1: the Vikings don't get cousins back? I know. What do they do? That team's going to get bad. (laughs) And like, well, I mean, you can kind of go across the way. Like what if, what if Jordan Love is a mix between second half, Jordan Love, and first half of the season, Jordan Love? Wouldn't what? that just be likely? We say I mean, what if I think, I think it is likely. And then and then I mean the Lions, we played them well two different times, and they're good. Don't get me wrong, y'all. They're, they're good. good. But we're doing this too. Like we're going we're going at this rate faster than anyone else in the division, which I think certainly helps. And you know, you were talking about this in terms of the chunk plays. That that is huge in the NFL. And that's why, y'all. A lot of defenses go to the too high. We heard about this, right? The change is the too high. That's why the run game is a lot more yep, you know, easier, lighter boxes. But that's why guys that can create with their legs, Caleb, and buy time. Like, he's he's so good, y'all, with buying time, having a feel in the pocket. It's a, you, you know, how I would compare it, Robert, and I don't know how long you've been doing the NFL draft stuff, but I, I once did a huge, huge study. This is going to take people years back. On Cordell Patterson coming really? out really, okay? I uh, well I don't know if you have followed Matt Waldman or not. Um, Matt's mm-hmm. a friend, but um, this was before I got any of my writing because I wrote on his his uh, blog. But I did a study. I studied him, uh, Tavon Austin, who was really good that year, and Robert Woods because I needed like a like a, a a floor guy, you know. And so um, I don't know what's going on with my camera. That's weird. Anyways, um, and so I wanted to see how elusive. He was and why um why he made guys miss and right. so he could make and ins- make people miss in such different ways because he's 6'2 220 he could um juke he could spin he could stiff arm because he's powerful he could run through guys he could do lots of different things and so I-, I just charted i charted every touch he had okay every time he made a move kick return punt return reception Run right. Uh There was only, I believe, it was two times that whole year that he didn't make the first guy miss if he wanted to. Like you know, sometimes you just go out of bounds. And but he had this weird feel. Like there was times when he would just like widen a little bit, understand the angle, and go. That's what it reminds me of with Caleb Williams. Mm -hmm. He just understands angles and pursuit acceleration where he'll just stop and let a guy go by and cut inside. You're like, why would a correct do that? Then he gets three or four more yards. Like he has this weird understanding. I I, I say weird. That's not accurate. A good, um, an amazing, elite understanding of, I think, spatial awareness and movement around him. But he can keep his eyes down the field and he can, you know, maybe move a little bit this way to buy time and then throw the football that Drake may doesn't have. That Justin Fields doesn't have that. None of the other guys have that help with the two-eye safeties, that help make chunk plays. That's what makes him really special.
0: You know, it's so funny because everybody talks about the eyes downfield thing. I have a metaphor I'm shocked that nobody's thought of before. If it's novel, neat, right? But it may help people understand this because, Nick, I do think we hear that all the time, right? Eyes downfield, keeping his eyes downfield. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I think that there are some quarterbacks that see pocket management the same way you and I see driving right? Where you get a quick look into your mirror and you see nobody's in your blind spot. So then you snap your head over your shoulder. You see nobody's in your blind spot, but you still have to manage out of the corner of your eye. There's a car in front of me. I can't drive into their bumper, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a car behind me and I can't stop too fast. And is somebody trying to turn into my lane on the right-hand side? As you're taking all this information on your read to change lanes on the highway, if you haven't picked up the image, you still have to track all this other stuff. And some people, just figuring out where the safeties are, where are the linebackers, where are the corners, what is their yep. leverage, how are my guys moving, that is enough, that has taken up their whole brain. Other people seem like they have the capacity, and it's hard, it's rare, it's the NFL, nothing about this is easy, right? To quickly see, okay, there's my rusher, it looks like my lineman has about 30% of him, but is going to lose him. I've probably got about this long, and his arc is probably going to come down in the pocket first and then towards me. I need to step up. And they make that decision in a quarter second so that they can get their eyes back downfield and resume where they were. They, I think it's safe to say, Nick. They do take their eyes downfield or like they take their eyes off downfield and at least give it a glance or they'd be truly telekinetic or they'd be mind readers. It's about whether they can see that, process it, act on it, get back to downfield because a Mm -hmm. lot of guys don't, right? The moment they take their eyes to the pressure or even think about the pressure – whatever's happening downfield, they just sort of lost track of it.
1: Well, well, I also think there's an anxiety to it too, right? Like, oh, there's a guy here. I have to worry about this. I don't want to mess up. And then because, because some are calm with that, you know, and some aren't. And the other, the other thing too, is that, you know, there's a part where you're in the pocket and there's pressure and you sense the pressure and then you turn your shoulders or you contort your body so that that guy can only get hit part of your body that Caleb does better than the other guys do too. Like, I know I keep saying like just him, but like, Aaron Rodgers did that stuff. Patrick Mahomes does that stuff. We're like, you can't get a full hit on them. Right. And they, they, they they just get like slippery. It's the weirdo stuff.
0: It's the stuff that you, Josh Allen, similar, not the same, similar though, in the sense of like, how are you doing that? Joe Burrow Mm kind of has this same pocket escapability, And I'm trying to name you different body types to show that it's not just one body type that does it. Even though I think that you're right on with the Mahomes and the Rogers piece. It's like, Mm I don't know. One thing that has got to be funky to think about, Nick, because now let's talk about what it feels like to not be generational. I was not a generational lacrosse player. And (laughs) you know what? If you want to say very, very good instead of generational for Caleb Williams, I don't really care what adjective you use. But I was a really gifted passer of the lacrosse ball. I was not a very gifted what's called dodger, so the one-on-one attacker. If you know nothing about lacrosse, all you need to think about is it's kind of like hockey on a field. Right? It's not field mm-hmm. hockey, it's not quite the same. But the point is, is that you'll set up and you'll run at your defender and you'll try to get around him. As an attackman, yep. following so far, oh, I could yeah. see passing lanes that, I mean, nobody else on my team could. And I'm not passing patting myself on the back. I'm illustrating that there was something I was good at, meaning I knew exactly what it meant to not be good at the other stuff. Yeah. And when my coaches would slap me on the head, Nick, and they'd say, can't you do any better? My honest answer was not really. I can tense, (laughs) like Nick, to explain it perfectly, I can tense up and act like I'm gonna really give it 115%, but the moment I wasn't relaxed, I was worse. Like, my mediocre butt could dodge a little on an unsuspecting Mm -hmm. defender if I was playing loose, but the moment I got in my own head about, now I need to do it this way, Everything got tenser. I slowed down and I have to imagine as a high school coach, this is where I do want a story. If you have one, I imagine you've seen quarterbacks that have tried to take on more than they normally take on in the middle mm-hmm. of games and just lock up. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, well, I, I'll, I mean, as a, as a coach, I take the blame when things don't go well. Of course. So I'll tell you a time I did something incorrectly. How about that? Sure. Well, I put too much on. So, you know, another part of, of the strategy of football is that, you know, mainly it's either two high safeties, right? Or one high safety. Right. So I would put together, and look, we progressed in our season. And in this game, I put in, hey, over here is going to be a cover two beater or cover four beater. And here's going to be a cover three or cover one beater. Right. So that way you can read the side. Right. And this is the new thing that we we're putting in. And it didn't work in the game. Poorly, by the way, there, there a pick six happened in the game. Oh, no. But I'm, but I don't put this on the quarterback at all because looking back, I'm like I didn't put enough time in the install and to talk through, and maybe I could have even said, hey, you know, I had a signal of which side to read it, you know. But it, I, I could tell it was too much, because also, what's the snap count? Are all my guys set up? Where's the defense? There's so much processing, and that's why. The, the ability to process information quickly is my number one trait in a quarterback. And the thing is with, with, and may does may and Daniels and McCarthy. I mean, they're all, they're all good athletes. Y'all like, very good athletes. Time. Many of but them they're are very all good processors in their own well, way. But, but, but also there, it's not just like take the snap, drop back process. It's avoiding then looking downfield the processing. Like it's very impressive to be able to do all of that with, because you have the, okay, the safeties were there. Now I'm scrambling around. Now where is everybody? Like you have to yes. go through so much stuff quickly. And it's it's impressive how all of them do that. I think Caleb does it better than anybody, but it's still impressive. It is
0: like you're saying, we make this mistake all the time. And Bears fan, I don't want you to hear this podcast ever making the mistake of saying blank person sucks at blank because this is an incredibly hard game played at an incredibly high level. This mm-hmm. is a matter of, okay, they're pretty good, but that might not be good enough. Compared to this person who's outrageously good at something that is really hard for a lot of people. Again, like to, I don't want to stick with the metaphor too hard, but Nick, the first time you were 15 taking driver's ed or with your parents and you drove onto the highway, I remember that feeling. Oh, yeah. That was terrifying. Nervous. Yep. N- now, as a 29 year old adult, at least in my case, driving on the highway is um, normal. I take my son. To, to school every morning, and I have to take him on the highway, obviously. Duh, normal adult stuff, right? But that same way you, who's listening, who's an experienced driver, feels now about your time on the highway, like that's what you're hoping these quarterbacks feel in the pocket, that it is well, that
1: normal. Okay, so with that, I have a point with quarterbacking. So that also goes with how many times have you driven – on the highway. That's a repetition thing. Exactly. And we, we've seen this with quarterback. We yes. saw this with Brock get it, Purdy. Get it, you have get it. so many years yes. of doing something, yes. you're going to get better at it. That's why I always like to having quarterbacks with two, three years of starting experience because the more reps you have at it, the better that you're going to be doing it. Whether it's, you know, the the, the chaos and scramble all the time that Caleb does or it's throwing it within structure that other guys do, the more reps are better.
0: And that's where I got to tell you, if you are team draft a quarterback, the Bears are in a great spot because both of these top two quarterbacks, if you want to include JJ McCarthy, you can. Technically, Jaden Daniels has a ton of starting experience, but he has four years at, let's say, uh level three and now one year at level 12. Right? <laughs> like yes. the yep. the draftable difference between his tape is is a little freaky to me. But yeah. we can save quarterback rankings for a time later. In April, there is one thing I did want to ask you about. And again, pin is still in Jalen Johnson. We're going to get back there. But so Ryan pulls in his presser last year, Justin's our guy last year. We're going to take a look at our options, but we need to do what's best to improve the team this year. Multiple statements akin to if we end up making a decision like that, we're going to make sure we do right by Justin yeah. felt to me like a noticeable tone change but everybody on Twitter is telling me that this thing was a Rorschach test. Do you think it's a Rorschach test or?
1: <laughs> well, the, 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 the phrase I, I remember last year, Robert was, we have to be blown away by a prospect. And this year it doesn't sound like they have to be blown away by a prospect because it's more of, this is a very unique opportunity, which right. it is, which is very true. It if is. Chicago had the fifth pick, I think they're sticking with fields and they're going to take a receiver and they'll take a, uh, D end at nine and then then we go but this is a unique opportunity to potentially you know you could look at what you have from fields in terms of college what how they had him versus how these guys are in college but now you have three years of that in the nfl and and where you have it i mean to me it seems like chicago is going to go with a rookie quarterback and they're going to trade away justin fields that's the way it seems to me that's how it feels i again i love justin fields Behind me, if you're watching, I have a photo of him. I named my dog Fields. I I love him, but he hasn't done enough. And again, I think part of that is the Bears haven't done enough to help him either. But there's more he could have done. And I don't have the 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 way I can word this is I don't have the confidence, Robert, that if you surround him with everything, he's gonna be that superstar. Like I don't have a hundred percent confidence that hey, if you give him wide receiver two Mm -hmm. and a greater line, he's gonna be. Josh Allen, I, I still think he could be good, but I don't have 100% confidence in that. And if I don't, I think that you have to go the other way. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. And okay. also, I want to lend credence to something you've been saying earlier with a one-to-one metaphor that I hadn't thought of until now, right? So we keep saying that the Bears effectively didn't give Fields a real God's honest chance to prove himself. And what does that look like? Well, predominantly, it looks like 2022 being the problem right? And the best one-to-one we have is Trevor Lawrence. If we took 2023 Trevor Lawrence in a vacuum, we said, is this guy good enough to pass on the number one pick for? No, not really. But in 2022, they had also given Trevor Lawrence a similar group of players to play with, and he did show us more last year he didn't have to deal with like five injuries you can make whatever excuse you want about what didn't work in the 2023 version of the jacksonville jaguars but in 2022 not only did he make the playoffs he won a playoff game mm-hmm. while also doing simple things like throwing for 4,000 yards and leading a team from yep. first to you know in the playoffs and blah, blah 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 we don't need to get into a trevor lawrence podcast it's more to say nick That you take the same player in, dare I say, very similar schemes and talent levels around him, but he has two years to prove you something? Shocker, he's able to do it, but only in one of those years. If Justin Fields had 2022, but had a 2023 team around him, maybe we would see, frankly, more reason to move on because it would have been the same level of play both years, but maybe not. The fact that we don't know, the fact that it came down to one make it or break it year is kind of the travesty here. But I'm with you that given the way things worked out, I don't really think there's a lot of other choices. Though, at the very least, there are intriguing conversations because the fact that we don't totally know means that the rest of the league doesn't totally know. Mm -hmm. And it does help his trade value a little bit. We talked Mm -hmm. earlier about an Atlanta pick swap. I will throw this at you, Nick, and this may be hardcore rumor. Okay, so this is your tinfoil (laughs) hat. This is your tinfoil hat moment. Okay,
1: every podcast, man.
0: I I, I'm I'm trying to make it a thing. If you haven't figured it out, I am trying to pick (laughs) a tinfoil hat moment. But so Robert Randolph, who has 22.9 thousand Twitter followers. That may not mean anything, but he performs the opening for the like NFL on prime Thursday, prime Thursday night football. So I'm, he is saying hardcore rumor that for, if for no other reason, Nick, I'm bringing this up because it's an intriguing talking point, right? Yeah. That the giants are, have been asked to counter by Chicago in a Justin Fields bid because Atlanta is currently outbidding them again. Can I say this enough, Nick, this could all be hearsay, Yeah. but it brings up an intriguing idea of what would you take from the giants? If they pick swapped six and nine, um, what else else would I take? What else would you need? If you were trading fields, you got to go up to six, which don't, I I hope that I don't come back to bite these words, but if three quarterbacks go early, You are guaranteed
1: a receiver at six, not at nine, but at six. I I would say, I would say, if it's nine to six, I additionally would need a compensatory pick next year. Okay, or I'm sorry, a conditional pick next year, where like if Fields had so many starts, it's a two, you know, or or passing yards, or however you want to, or it would be a three, something like that. That's what I would need
0: does it make a difference to you that when we look at six and when we look at nine, the, the difference between those two is roughly a high third round pick.
1: Yeah. It's it's different than going from nine to eight. I think
0: it's very different. Like Mm -hmm. nine to eight is sort of a, that's actually a 50 point change according to the Jimmy Johnson chart, but going all the way up to six is a high third. So in theory, if you got the conditional future third, you'd be right on where we had the Atlanta offer,
1: but also y'all to talk about what Ryan Pulse says, He says you go through the draft, you look at pockets of players, right? You, you go one to six. I mean, I think four quarterbacks are going to go in the top nine. I'll be honest. I think four are, I think so. You go, you go four, then you go three receivers. That's seven at eight. You still might not get one of the receivers. You go to six, you're going to get one no matter what. So I, right. to me, that, that would be very exciting. Um, but also, mm-hmm. but here, here's the other thing I think that's the most exciting about Ryan Poles and his presser. I talked about this a bunch. I just love how he's like this. He's a hustler, man. Like, yeah, he is. He, when he wanted to go from one to two to two to down last year, I was like, that's my guy. When he's working trades to try and improve the roster or, he's, you know, bringing in. I mean, look at the staff that we just got, y'all. The coaching staff. That's mm-hmm. him. That's fluce That's everybody. And then when yeah, I hear And we talk, got new fluce too. Do what, we need oh, to oh, talk oh, about, oh, like... New, the, new <laughs> like, but, also, but also, when when he talks about his presser that he just had, I'm open to all options. It could be this. It could be that. There could be thousands of scenarios. I love it. He's not just being like, We're just going to do this. He's keeping things open because you never know what could happen. You all something crazy could happen.
0: I mean, let's use the Giants as an example. I think that just being raw with you, Nick, I think that if the Giants did take a trade down from Chicago, this would not be a good move for what the New York football Giants need right now right? Like whether they are actually going to draft a young quarterback or they need to prove something. I think we could try to put our New York Giants head on and say, this is probably way too close to desperation for what the Giants need right now. But that doesn't mean that move doesn't, get hap- doesn't happen pretty often. Like I feel as if Once or twice a year, some franchise makes a desperation move one way or another. So who's to say it isn't the Giants if the Maras are putting the heat under them? I don't know. Intriguing, stupid rumor to track during the Combine. Like, I'm by no means telling you it's a real thing. But it does create this uh, one other piece that we should talk about before we go back all the way back to Jalen Johnson (laughs) is, hey, hey, I'm just bringing it up so that we don't forget no, I, I know. We're, I,
1: we're not forgetting about you, man.
0: The the part where Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, dare I say, were telling Justin, hey bud, we're not gonna we're not gonna leave you in this for very long. We're gonna try to take this care or get this taken care of for you. That part felt to me pretty clear. One other thing that felt pretty clear is that anybody saying that they are definitely taking Caleb Williams is not listening. To Ryan Poles, who is almost obnoxiously honest. Sometimes I wish he was a little more cagey. He is being very open, or was a couple days ago, that they do not have this thing nailed down yet. And I can't help but feel like if anybody's out there telling you they know what the Bears will do, as not as in they know where they think the, the Bears will ultimately land, but they te- they're telling you the Bears have already made the decision, I think they're wrong. Like right now, I think they're taking that hard due diligence
1: look at everything that they should be
0: doing. What do you think?
1: No, no, they should because, I mean, the one thing he talked a bunch about is, you know, they already have the film. They care about the person. The person is why they didn't get Jalen Carter. The person is why they didn't draft George Pickens. I mean, the per and the person I think is why the Chase Claypool thing failed, to be honest with you. I think that part is so ingrained because it's the leader of your franchise. It's the leader of your locker room. And they're going to, and when you, when you see the things of like, oh, they just met with this prospect. Oh, they just met with this prospect. They're meeting with all of them, basically at the combine y'all. When you want to get down to the 30 visits to house hall. Sure. That'll matter more, but they're going to meet with all of them, but they should meet with all, I would say all four quarterbacks, right? Daniels McCarthy, Caleb. In May, they, they should, they should meet with all of them, get to know them. You got the putt, putt, you got the dart thing that they do. And then to get to know them a little bit in terms of how they're competitive, they are. They're going to talk a little film with them, get to know them a little bit because they're going to be with that person. You know what? 10 months out of the year. They have to depend on that person in pressure situations. They have to depend on that person to help other people, right? Bring them along. It's a very important decision. And if you Absolutely. like, if you, if you thought of it, like you're going house hunting, Robert, right? Do you just buy the first house? You only look at one and, yep, this is one that we're buying.
0: Well, unfortunately, when you are house hunting, especially when you're a first-time home buyer, sometimes you think that that is the smart thing. Is like, ah, I should definitely, or not. You don't think you should buy the first one. You just fall in love with the first one. But I completely get what you're saying, that smart people that have done this before will be like, no, 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 Ryan, Ryan. We gotta to talk to the others. Like
1: you, got, yep. you have yeah, to you, play you, this thing out. Yeah, gotta compare them, right? Got gotta talk to someone like Robert, right, to find a good deal, right? Like to interest rates, banks. <laughs> you gotta think of all this stuff. Okay, what, what, you know? Hey, inspections, like all of these things, you gotta look for. You have this to look at a, it all. It's a big decision. So right now they're just gathering information, but I mean, from I mean, I'm hearing whispers all over the place of like. There are a lot of teams that could have these quarterbacks in lots of different orders.
0: Look, and I'll be the first to tell you, Nick, this is smokescreen season and I will throw. All right. So, you know, I was kind of being cheeky about the conspiracy thing earlier. Now I'm going to really dive in. Okay. What foil hat is this? this? This one is still 10. It has to be 10. Is, is, it, uh, is this a tinfoil hat inside of a tinfoil hat? This is a bigger tinfoil hat. <laughs> I, I've doubled the honey. I shrunk the tinfoil hat, but you know, in reverse anyways. So look, obviously Greg Gabriel, etc. Plenty of people on Twitter are saying Ryan Poles is going to trade the pick. Right. And we have seen obviously like Kevin Warren's comments that about how much they love Justin Fields. And we saw an ESPN article today come out. As well as a couple of Ian Rappaport reports that have come out in favor of Caleb Williams basically saying, like, I will play and I'm excited to play wherever I want to play. Beyond that, today on TV, Ian Rappaport comes out here and says... Caleb Williams wants to play in Chicago. Caleb Williams thinks that he can be most successful in Chicago. And it basically got no play outside of Bears fans who recorded what he had said on TV on the Insiders. It's the only reason I know he said it, right? All of this to me, Nick, has me wondering whether Ryan Poles has been, maybe not intentionally, but allowing. All this speculation about Caleb Williams to put pressure on Caleb Williams to shape up and come to, c- come to Indianapolis and show that he wants the job. Because it, at the very least, I could see that the Bears would look at this and they would say, look, the only part of this problem that we will not put up with, you are not choosing us. We are choosing you. And if at any point you think you're choosing us, we have a problem with that. Because... This is Ryan Poles. Yeah. If if Washington the Bears block, my guys are saying Washington is aggressively pursuing that number one overall pick. How? I bet you there's a price. I don't know what it is, but I'd be shocked knowing Ryan Poles if there isn't well,
1: a price. Didn't we talk about this in the last pod? I mean, it was like, okay, what pod would you be okay if you did this? We that? did. I mean, but just because we
0: would doesn't mean Ryan Poles would. No. Except I think he would. And if I'm Caleb Williams, and we've talked about this a couple pods ago, Nick, if the rubber meets the road, I want to be where there's an average to above average offensive line, or at least the bones for one. I get one to two sweet receivers. I get a record book that is basically blank in terms of all relevant (laughs) quarterback rankings. I get a defense that's ready to go. If I'm stuck with a defensive head coach either way... Do I want the guy who I just worked with in college, but he already got fired because he had a number one overall pick and it didn't work out with him? Or do I want this other guy who just got Geno Smith to a Pro Bowl, to two Pro yeah. Bowls? Yeah. Like, Nick, am I nuts? Or can we make a very unbiased argument that it's not even really a choice? I mean, we haven't even gotten to the part where
1: you have picked number nine. We haven't gotten to any of that, right? right? Well, I mean, and again, my my stance for the longest time is I'm happy if they go with Caleb because I think he's really, really good, y'all. I'm happy if they go with Drake May. I think he's really, really good, y'all. I'm happy if they go with Fields because I think he's good. I think he can get better for sure. If we do that, we're going to have a boatload I, I i picture like and again this might date myself i picture like i think it was um ducktales or whatever and they're like the, the guys like swimming and the gold coins you know what i mean like mm-hmm. in a room and just like all these riches <laughs> i of know did draft you mean the scrooge picks. mcduck thing yeah 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 yeah. there's so many like just draft picks everywhere you know like chicago it has I think almost no bad decision here because I think everything can lead to success and there's going to be a lot of stuff going on there. I trust Ryan Pols with this. I trust his process and he he's, he's made me a, a believer that much that I'm just going to lean into that with him. Do you, do you want You want to pivot now to Jalen Johnson? Actually,
0: I already had the segue prepped. You gave it to me.
1: <laughs> well,
0: Nick, if you, I, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it anyways. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick, It's great that you believe in Ryan Poles' process, because the only part of Poles' presser we really didn't discuss yet is that he not only said that he fully intends to get a deal done with Jalen Johnson, but he defended his deal outright, talking about strong guarantees, strong cash flows. This is a player I know you were ready to sign and trade, so given the cap number that we saw go up, given what Ryan Pulse has said, if, if Jalen Johnson does get locked down to an extension, how do you feel about it?
1: So and here's where I would feel comfortable. Um, and again, the, the deal, y'all, like, you know, any free agent, they signed a five-year deal for this much and this much signing bonus, like, the guaranteed money is all that matters. To me, you sign Jalen, and as long as the first maybe two years are guaranteed, I would be okay with, because we've talked about that age 26 season is kind of the thing. He'll be 24, 25 this next year. That's still going to be in that ballpark. Maybe the next year is half guaranteed or less than that. I can live with that, because that's something that would be dead cap you could cut and live with. I just don't want his number per year to be record setting. I mean, there's a new cap coming out. Like it's 25 million per year. I'm not okay with that. 23 million per year. I'm not okay with that. Okay. So Nick,
0: AAV comes in, it's 21 and a half million dollars. How do you feel?
1: If it's two years guaranteed, I could live with it.
0: Two years guaranteed at 21 and a half AAV. Does it bother you that that would be record setting?
1: Would it? That, no, no one's being more than that?
0: Jair is uh, current top of OTC's board with $21 million a year.
1: Hmm, okay. The corner market well, might not
0: be what you think it is, and that's okay. Well,
1: well in my head, though, you, you're adding in now this extra cap. Do you know what I mean? The extra $13 million. I, have so be, goes up.
0: I have to think that they'd be working it, especially just because w- almost kind of a why bother extend him if it doesn't help your cap situation. There's obvious reasons mm-hmm. why. You and yeah. I have talked about that.
1: I'd feel so much better if it was 20 a year. If it, it, 20 or less, I'm like, okay, I get it. Because, I mean, dude, he had a great year. I'm not trying to say that. I just don't know how repeatable it is, and the injuries kind of worry me.
0: 20 is pretty reasonable. 20 would put him just, just ahead of the Legereus need tag that Legereus just signed. I mean, that's $19.8 million. So part of me mm-hmm. thinks that your AAV, it's also worth remembering, Nick. We're talking about average annual value. We're not talking about real money if it's Gary backloaded D. at the end, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you end up with, let's say, $38 million guaranteed on a 24 AAV that's just a goofy deal because it's either one and a half years guaranteed or it's two years guaranteed and then the cap inflates and even Jalen doesn't think he's sticking around at that point. But I could see a deal like that coming together when Ryan Poles says, I think I can pull it off. I fully believe him because to be honest with you, as hard as I think this deal is, and it is hard because you're talking about a player that gets hurt a lot and also frankly performed too well given where he had been for any of this to be reasonable. He's your corner one. You need a corner one. If -hmm. you're going to have the stability that you pretty much kept Fluce around for, I think it is good news for bears fans. If you do like that kind of continuity and you like signing your own players, I am one of those goobers and it works out in my favor.
1: Well, and if it's, and if it's, you know, one and a half years guaranteed or two, and that's the, you know, it's 21 per year, whatever. It doesn't matter. The number, and he proves it, then you keep him. He doesn't prove it, then you cut him loose. You know what I mean? So, like, so you have a little power of position there, you know, which which can be helpful. Um, it also makes me feel a little better to do that deal now, now that they have an extra $13 million per year. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's right. it's not going to go down next year. So, you know, because to me, it's, it, it's not just like, Hey, Jalen's good. Sign him. It's, it's all about the number y'all. And like, that's when you talk about some of these quarterback contracts and how much they spend the percentage of the cap, it gets to where it, it hurts your team that you have to pay this much. Like, well, that sounds weird that you have, we need this elite quarterback, but if they make. That much of the money if your whole team, the whole team can't be good around them.
0: So Nick, you've talked about this before and this is just the most basic way to surmise this. Look Bears fan, if you're listening and you've never heard this argument before, then I just want to apologize on behalf of the football universe for not having explained it better right At the end of the day you do not need a rookie quarterback. you do not need a rookie quarterback contract either. What you need is as much value over spending as possible across your roster the quarterback is just happenstantially the easiest place to get that roi right brock purdy if you had to put a number on it do you think he's playing 35 million dollar football
1: oh yeah what what number would you pick uh i would say he's probably playing 43 to 47
0: okay let's go 45 million dollar football just split the middle of that well he's getting paid not even a million. So you're talking about $44 million value over average. That is a ton of value over average. What is the problem with extending fields to $40 million? It's that he's playing at like $20 million. Maybe he's Mm -hmm. playing at like $18 million. So suddenly you're not getting any value over average. You're actually getting less, right? Or paying Patrick Mahomes a billion dollars. The only reason that that works is because it's actually half a billion dollars, correcting myself. The only reason that works is because Patrick is one of the only quarterbacks that can actually meet that value so that you're not dealing with this massive negative. And in the case of somebody like Dak Prescott, Dak's probably delivering $3 $3 million value over average. The problem is his $40 million cap hit is about to jump to a $60 million cap hit with his latest extension. And now Dak's going to put the Cowboys in the hole again. All of this is to say the rookie value is less in, wow, having a rookie contract is so important. Everybody who wins Super Bowls does it off of a rookie contract. It's just a matter of gimmicking out some value over average and keeping your quarterback spending at a reasonable level while your guy tries to play at that $45, $50 million level, ideally, Nick, in the third, fourth, and fifth year of his contract, so that you get three years where you blatantly underpay your guy, so that you can then pay him market value, and hope he's ready to handle that. All of this, all this spending, fits into the same thing Nick is talking about, because the question becomes... How can we get Jalen Johnson on a contract where he's not going to deliver drastically less ROI than we're paying him for? Mm -hmm. Because the moment that we pay him $25 million and he delivers $16 million of cornerback play, well, that sucks, and that does not help us. Just like
1: Jair last year.
0: Montez Sweat is probably not delivering $25 million of ROI under Mm -hmm. any circumstance ever. The problem is Yannick Yannick Ngakwe, I mean... I don't know how you feel about this, Nick. I would give him a solid $1 million of actual ROI on uh, in terms of what Yannick gave us, and that is a $10 million deficit in yes. what we paid him. Montez will give you $19.5 million of ROI, yep. and that's a $6.5 million deficit with $19.5 of edge value, which is not easy to find. Like... Well,
1: well, but with, with this, this is the whole other side of the debate with the quarterbacks is. is that if you do this with Fields and you stay with him and you get all of this, you know, I talked about it the does. funny gold of picks. Mm-hmm. You get all these picks, you get all these rookies with low salaries, but yes. their ROI is higher. And, yes. and the goal is it. You're, you're Brock Purdy in a team. You're the, having all these other guys around. That the can only help
0: problem, win. and that's where, Nick, not to cut mm. you off, the weird part becomes – okay, how far off is Fields from signing a veteran for not $40 million in that same circumstance? Like, the part that I think is brutal, but it is worth mentioning, worth mentioning here at the end of the pod, is in a world, Nick, where you did all the trading down and you got Marvin Harrison plus Dallas Turner. I don't even know if you could do that this year, to be honest with you. You might have to push all that in the future, like get your three firsts in the future, et cetera, et cetera. But you get all that young player stuff. You get a bunch of second round picks. You are value over averaging like crazy. The mm. question still boils down to, would you rather pay Justin Fields $40 million or Gardner Minshew 15 Would you rather pay Justin Fields $40 million or uh, this is a very unserious claim. I am not really meaning this. But in the world of how far off is Justin Fields at that point, from what Tyson Bajant could give you with a bazillion weapons around you because Tyson Bajin costs you nothing. And then at that point, you could draft an extra quarterback in the second round that probably won't work, but maybe he'll be better than Tyson Bajant, who's paid Mm -hmm. nothing and there's just nothing holding you back from this. Well,
1: That's Jalen Hurts.
0: Or another silly example that isn't real, right? Would you rather, Nick, pay Justin Fields $40 million or would you rather pay Two a second and a third for so let's say you trade down you get a bunch of extra picks and you take a surplus second and a future surplus second you send them to Seattle they give you Geno Smith who's 33 and paid a healthy amount of money would you rather do that reunite the guy that already knows Waldron's offense with all these weapons around you or stick with Justin Fields I'm not saying you have to give me an answer unless you feel like it it's more to say that once you do all that trading back the part where you have to stick with Justin is not a part I think we would agree on, not you and me, me and most bears fans. Cause I don't think that forces you to keep Justin the moment he gets expensive. If that makes sense. There no, are all
1: kinds of quarterback options that you can <clears throat> unwrap. So, so I, I have a question kind of off of this. So, um, wh- where do you watch your film? Cause you watch film. I watch film. And I assume people that listen to this, they they, they either watch film or they might be interested do you do you have a spot that you watch film? Like a spot spot? Yeah, like like do you, do you like subscribe somewhere? Do you do oh. you YouTube? Do you? I thought you meant like a place on Earth, and I was like,
0: you're, <laughs> you're looking that room. Like, that room like, is it, where it's you do this it. This room, I do it here. This is uh, where I do it too. So. I did it on NFL Plus when NFL Plus was NFL Game Pass. At this Mm -hmm. point, I have found somebody that's able to get me the film just a little bit early, which is Mm -hmm. nice because as much as I don't like to admit it, film stuff is often a little bit of a rat race. And if some other account beats me to finding that play, then that person gets all the retweets and whatnot. It's all a bunch of social media garbo that listener, if you made it an hour into the podcast, I'm sure you get it. Right, But it just means that the earlier I can get the film, the better. And it bothers me that guys like JT, et cetera, obviously get the film the night that it happens. And I have yep. to wait until like 2 p.m. Where, on Monday.
1: Where, where do you get your college film?
0: My college film, uh, actually same guy. But also, okay. there's a Patreon called Caddy's Cutups where you yep. can get a ton of all 22. Uh, at the very least, that's a great spot to start and pretty cheap to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's one that I use too. And then, um, I wanted to just, um, reference another one. So dynasty nerds, um, I, I wrote there a while ago, but, um, I'm still good friends with them. Um, I have actually recommended them enough to other people, Robert, that they gave me a, a, a a promo code. So I'm just going to give it to people if they're curious. It's just my last name, Waylon. Okay. You'll, you'll get 15% off if you want to. But the reason that I recommend them is because, you know, when you watch film, it takes a lot of time. You're watching this angle, you're watching that angle, there's a timeout, you have to speed up, whatever. What they do is they cut everything out. Like they make it only the time. Like, like I was watching uh JJ McCarthy this weekend. Okay. It'll go from like drops back, throws the pass, receiver catches it, turns, runs, cuts off. Then it'll go to JJ McCarthy like from another angle or just the next play. Cause you do don't need to see how the receiver finished the play to judge JJ McCarthy. No, of you know what I not. mean? So to me, it saves a lot of time. I know Matt Wallman actually uses them some too because it does save time. Um, so that that's another one, y'all. So Dynasty Nerds. But I if you guys have questions on that stuff, I mean that's stuff that me and Robert we do because we watch a mm-hmm. bunch of film or how you do that. I mean, again, we're this podcast is for you guys. So I, yes. I mean, it's, it's all about the bears. But if you have questions or you have things about processes, let us know too. Cause we want to we want to help.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Now, Nick.
0: We're an hour into the show. We should close up here. So I'm gonna give you the choice. Do we want to talk about the value that the combine gives Chicago? Or do we want to talk about the defensive prospects that we want to see run, jump, and race tomorrow?
1: <sighs> to me, I think there's so many guys I want to see. Um, <laughs> I, I want to talk about the value of, of the, the combine for Chicago. So, well, first let's start with me, okay? I care less about the combine I think than the than the average person because I care more about the athletic traits that a player has and how they use them on the field. Less than when they stand and they jump, when they stand and they jump up, when they run in a straight line without pads or football, a guy in front of them, any of that stuff. Now I understand that people like the analytics and that goes into it, but that's where things I think can get a little flawed. And I think eventually we're gonna get into this we can they can track players on the field and get their speeds and accelerations. i think that's going to be a little bit more helpful i don't think we're all there yet or it's public but um i do value at the combine i can finally get their accurate height their accurate weight yes their hand size their arm length that stuff because that's stuff that you can kind of see on film but you want to see what it accurately is um and I mean, I, and I like the drills because I can see some of it. I know they're practicing for the drills, but it's nice to see them move. I, I don't discredit 40 time and all that stuff. I just value that less, I think, than others.
0: So I think it matters. Depend. It, it, it depends on the person and it depends on how much you're trying to care, right? To use an example, I think Keon Coleman's 40 is going to be incredibly interesting number because if he comes in pretty okay, people are going to go, He's not slow, and, and suddenly that'll turn some people's heads. Another, But it was kind of funny, right? So last year, one of my favorite receivers was Jaden Reed, who I thought was going to run like a four five something, right? He runs a 4.49 if memory serves. I'm going entirely off the top of my head. Um, No, you know what? I'm going to look this up. Jaden Reed.
1: You, you know what? I liked Jaden Reed, Robert, when he was at Western Michigan as a freshman man.
0: Man, I'm not surprised because he was good. So good, he clocks in at the combine with every single number under 50th percentile. And if you're not a if you're into any of this stuff, you should use a site that I use all the time called Mock Draftable. It's the I one with like the Mock spider Draftable. charts. They're the best. But so he clocks in at a 40 time of 445. I thought this guy for sure was gonna be a four five guy. I go, four, four, five? Jaden Reed, are you kidding me? He does that on his first run. He decides to run again. It's not tracked anywhere. I remember this. Four, five, seven. And I go, that's what I thought we were going to get. Mm. And it did not matter because he'd already had the first one. But it yeah. is a great reminder, Nick, of these guys are going to run it. They're going to try to get the best time of their life. And then they are going to call it. You don't get an average of 10. You get one.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. You, you get your best one. Yeah, but I, I agree. Um, but the the other part is, what Chicago values. Okay, so we know a few things. We know Chicago values the person a ton, and this isn't just quarterbacking. This is we talked about. This, this is Jalen Carter. This is, you know, George Pickens. So those interviews I think matter a lot to them, and then also. Chicago does care about RAS. <laughs> so the stuff that I'm just like, eh. They, but RAS also, so relative athletic score. Y'all, that's what that means. Uh, Kent Lee Platt. So I think it's at Math Bomb on Twitter. I would follow him. He produces these charts all the time. And he's amazing at them. And he even has other people helping him. But um, it's a metric he he came up with. Good guy, too. Um, and on there is size. On there is weight. On there is, I think there's like a like an explosive Area in terms of I think like verticals and like jumps and then there's speed area and acceleration. So um, Ryan Poles, I mean T.J. Edwards, he signed him. But most of the people, Tremaine Edmonds, even guys he signed, guys that he's drafted, have had I think eight RAS or RAS score or higher. So that's something to to keep a note on. So when you when you're looking at the prospects and you you see what what the RAS score is. And it's eight or more. I take a note because whether that's going to be first round or seventh round, we're going to continue. We Chicago is continually going to get those type of players. Jaquan Brisker mock draftable. Well, he was really
0: high on everything, which makes sense. So I'm really interested to see how all of this plays out. I think that it's funny. You mentioned a bunch of defensive prospects. Dallas Turner should jump out of the gym. I mean, I think that guy is so athletic, but it's the safeties I know I'm really focused on because. What?
1: Hey, what? What do you think Brisker's RAS was? Uh, probably. Nine point
0: two. Nine point one three. Man, good for him. I that's wish he had the good. anticipation to really make that work for him, or the coverage skill to apply it. But that's a separate piece of yep. D.V. Play. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't hate Brisker Bears fan. I think he's a great Buck safety thumper and has legitimate stopping power. I mean, truly as a run defender, that mm-hmm. guy makes an impact. I just wish DBs weren't the guys that you were asking to make that run impact all yep. the time. Yep. Anyways, there's so many of these guys, Nick, that I'll tell you what, I if you feel like I do, and you probably don't, what the Bears do with Justin Fields and or pick number one, because, I mean, they could trade both. It's not out of the question. That kind of has me in stasis because I don't feel like I have the full picture on how many picks the Bears have. And until I know how many picks the Bears have,
1: I don't even fully know the guys I'm paying attention to at the combine. How about this? Let's combine this guy. Give me one defensive guy that you're very interested in. Jalen Simpson. I hope he doesn't run like garbage.
0: Uh, I think he might. But he's my guy. So if you go all the way back to, let's see, Eddie Jackson Raz. If we take a look at him, oh, I don't know if he did anything now that I think about it. Yeah, he didn't because he had his leg broke.
1: Yeah, he broke his leg. Yeah.
0: But so loving Eddie Jackson like I do, I can give you a pretty clear and concise, I don't think you would have tested super well. No,
1: no, he's an instincts guy.
0: <laughs> and Jalen Simpson's an instincts guy. So he's yeah. somebody that I would love to see pop a little bit. You've got Dadrian Tyler Demerson. I want to watch his tape because I don't know anything about him. But the idea mm. of a Big 12 Texas tech safety has me
1: intrigued. Mm.
0: What kind of player is he?
1: Um, so to me, I think he's like a um uh a poor version maybe of like an Antoine Winfield, like at best, like undersized, maybe a good at. Most things may be great at nothing. That's where the poor is. Would you consider him a true free? Uh Jordan Whitehead ish.
0: Okay, okay, but I mean, you mentioned Anton Winfield. Anton Winfield's a free safety.
1: Well, yeah, I guess I, I maybe that's a little high, but you know, I because I he's undersized. He, I think he's five ten. Oh man, well that's fine. He's, let me <laughs> here, let me give you my guy though, Bears yeah. fans. Yeah, the guy that I, I don't know. I'm just like I, I don't know why I feel locked in that. He's going to be a bear. I don't know why. Darius Robinson. The, oh, D gotcha. lineman from Missouri. He could play three tech, could play big end, but he just wins anywhere that he has, anywhere that he plays. And the, that's the kind of size I think that they like at an end. If you could put him opposite of sweat, he's long, he's athletic. He's good against the run. He's a good pass rusher. That's almost ideal. He's not. The highest ceiling, he's not going to be Will Anderson, but I think he's going to be good, kind of like a Montez Sweat.
0: He's Gervon Dexter, the edge, but for real. like He's he's just a huge dude that overpowers you. I don't know how the Bears get that pick that they would need for him. Another option, if the Bears were to trade down, that, hey, I'm just going to throw at you. Um, Imagine Andrew Billings lined up next to Byron Murphy. As your three technique. Oh, man. Or you could do like a Jerzon Newton if you wanted to, uh, like a Johnny Newton. So was that an oh, man, good or an oh, man, bad?
1: No, Byron Murphy's amazing. I you think Byron be- Murphy's pretty <laughs> He's rad. Good. But, the, but my concern with going so high with another D-tackle is that you're kind of wasting Dexter and uh, Pickens a bit, but... you, whatever. So just to be so real, you definitely are, right? The
0: question is whether if the Bears... So here's, I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to say ahead of time, okay? First of all, I think that I would love it if the Bears draft a wide receiver. I've just gone down this road a lot. I'm sure you have too, where we were so ready for them to take George Pickens. They did not. We got Bayless Jones. So part of me is like, all right, I need to just set my coping mechanisms up now for if they stick with the defensive player so that I know what I'm going to say. And if they take a Johnny Newton- or a Byron Murphy, I will say, don't let good be the enemy of great. I don't yeah, mind true. the opportunity to say, hey, if Dexter ends up playing a little bit of elephant end, because we're psychos, and and also Zach Pickens ends up being a rotational defensive lineman, this is a good problem to have. Yeah, no, And that's fair. if that's what they want to do with it, cool. They probably won't. Like, I would imagine that they'll mm-hmm. sort edge before they would sort the defensive tackle position at that point, but yeah. stranger things have happened. So, have you see, watched
1: Have you watched Jonah Ellis yet? Not Ellis. Is he so, so he's he's Luther Ellis. Remember him? It's his son. Oh no, kidding! Remember Luther Ellis for the, the, the Lions? That's a so long he, time He's ago. like a he's like a high effort guy, a little undersized pass rusher. I mean, you could you could think of um, Huff you know, with the the Jets, kind of a guy like him. He's an easy guy to root for, though. He plays at Utah. You know, like I I, I like effort guys because that's the coach in me. Like I like those guys more. Uh, but he would be a guy that if you paired, just like you kind of said, with Walker, that, you know, it could make sense. But I don't know that he could be out there every day. Every sure now. could.
0: It's funny because you also listed a bunch of corners here. You listed like Cooper Dejean, uh, Queen Mitchell, Tyrion oh, Arnold, Carson. So-
1: fun man
0: they're all great corners none of them are coming to chicago no. like they're all no. getting drafted well no. before any of that no. which is if you wanted to talk db for chicago keep an eye out for guys like max melton keep a guy or keep an eye out for guys like what carlton Day. no it's not carlton davis it's uh got to bring the CEO Kalen carson no, well caylen caylen i think is gonna be a top two guy like top two rounder um okay. i i don't know if that's it's not consensus, I can tell you that,
1: but he's, well, you, you want to go through safety? I mean, we're kind of going through them. I mean, safety is something we need.
0: Safety is something we need. And I'll tell you what, I cannot get a read on what the NFL values safety. Let me give you the full fledged reasoning of what I'm going for. There was a time when Leonard Fournette got taken in the top five and that would just never happen today. Like, there's a point where the NFL decides they changed their mind on certain positions and they just aren't drafting any of them anymore. And I believe that it doesn't happen. Because of that position, it happens because of all the other ones. This is corners getting pushed up the board and DT getting pushed up the board and DE getting pushed up the board and guard getting pushed up the board and OT getting pushed up the board. And Well, you got to have your corners. You got to have your wide receivers. You got to have, you got to have, you got to have. And suddenly, safety, tight end, running back, linebacker are all just a, a, a little lower in, than they should be. In, interior O line. Interior O line, especially center. If you're center only, middle finger. If you're a center that can play yeah. a little bit of guard, we're drafting you actually. Mm-hmm. And so with safety, Nick, I cannot tell you with a straight face that I know where Kalen Bullock is going to get drafted. He should be like the third safety
1: off the board. Where's that? I I, know. I don't know. I, I mean, know. I will. I don't even know. I mean, the top one. I mean, Tyler Newbin is a lot of people have at one. I don't. Is he going to go in the top? 50 picks maybe
0: top 50 doubt know. top 40 you know what i, I mean i don't know
1: i know some people have him like late round one and i'm like mm.
0: he's so jack of all tradesy that it hurts like yep. tyler newbin to me is not the guy i look at as impact player especially when safety is such a common min-max position I and mean, let's be real jaquan brisker doesn't work as a corner Right? A player that's that skewed towards the run game, you'd say, Thanks, but we that's not gonna work. Mm. But it's safety, it doesn't matter if every running back under the sun could seemingly take him down the sidelines for a massive gain. Right. There's just not that many teams that are gonna try
1: it. You know but, what I'm saying? What? Well, but and the other thing that you talked about this is like, do you wanna spend that high of a pick? Because so many people get starting safeties deep in the draft, just like guards, you know? It's, and and it's And like, think about it, Nick, I mean,
0: so much of it is because at corner, you have to be an alien, right? Modern corners need to be physical, but also fast, but also tall, but also long. And kind of like MLB pitchers, there's just only so many humans that can do that. And when you finally get the ones that can, they get hurt all the time because being all those things at once takes a heavy toll on your body at safety, at safety, man. Sioni Vaki is probably a better athlete than Jalen Simpson, but Jalen Simpson understands spatial relationships, processes route concepts, moves well within that space, understands quarterback cues, and it makes Jalen Simpson almost four times as fast on the football field as a guy like Sioni Vaki that has to see the play, think about the play, react to the play, and then finally, he can drive out the football with all that athleticism.
1: Do you do you think that Poles is an ageist or no?
0: Well, if he was, he wouldn't have drafted Velas.
1: Yeah, well, that's one though, but right. But also, I don't know. I'm wondering.
0: I can't say I know, but I bet he's not.
1: I mean, call well, it a feeling. So, like, like because I think Tyler Newbin is 23. He's 22
0: when I looked it up, but I didn't find his birthday. So he might be 23 come yeah. draft day. Well,
1: and then Keelan 21. Bullock is 20 right now. He turns 21 end of April
0: 20. He's 21. And then the weirdest one that I found out about today, because I evaluated uh, the other guy. Everybody keeps throwing at the bears. Uh, what is it? Javon Bullard. Like mm-hmm. the, I evaluated him off of his tape and it's, it's super inconsistent. If anything, yeah. it's extremely frustrating only yeah. to then find out he's been playing safety only this year. And I'm like, well, throw my eval out because yeah. every inconsistency I just mentioned is absolutely a lack of polish, which is what happens when you get moved to safety this year. Like,
1: mm-hmm. wow, why did I well, think this What well was go he well? playing before?
0: He was playing slot corner.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Yep. Which I
0: love. To me, I want safeties that are former quarterbacks, cornerbacks. Yes. I mean, it's just my opinion, but the safeties that are former linebackers, L. The safeties safeties that are former DBs, dub. Like, Mm -hmm. that's one of them. Look, the Eddie Jackson type, the Kalen Bullock type, Jalen Simpson
1: was a corner at Mm -hmm. Auburn. and I I even saw one report. They said Kalen Bullock could go back to corner if they wanted him to. I mean, he could if they wanted him to.
0: He shouldn't. He's such a good free safety. But it's so funny because then I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, Kalen Bullock could easily get drafted over Tyler Newbin. That's my hot take, right? Because Tyler Newbin, Nick, what's the professional way to say the word that I will describe to you, but I will never say it out loud? One of my parts of my brand is that I'm never going to say this word. I think it's tacky. I think sitting in my chair on the internet, I can't c- accuse a football player of um, not liking contact, of <laughs> not putting his <laughs> shoulder down and taking on blockers with force, seeming as if every time he's about to hit somebody, he suddenly leans backwards. I don't feel like I can use the S word that everybody's thinking of I because you. I think well, it's cheesy. When you're I, with
1: with, with Kalen, you're saying? With Tyler, ah. with Kalen, he just misses.
0: He's uh, yeah. the guy from Mighty Ducks that can't stop when he's attacking somebody. But you know That's what? He's accurate, yeah. twenty, twenty-one. You could, you hope you can fix that with somebody like Tyler Newbin. When you're a jack of all trades, but you're not hitting the run lane like Cam Kitchens does, who hits it like he's gonna, like who hits it like it's the last thing he's gonna do, right? Mm. In a good way, or like Jaden Hicks who I think is basically a linebacker that they stuck at safety. I don't know if he's fast enough to play the position, especially outside of the box safety role at the NFL level, but he hits the run game like he's a force player in the run game. Or Bo Brady, who is a bat out of hell, out of Maryland, doing the same thing. And then you got Tyler Newbin, and the moment you throw a tight end at him, we're blocked? That gets old. Especially when you get guys like Jaquan Brisker. Man, I haven't seen David Montgomery get a yard on Brisker when Brisker stands him up. Like Mm -hmm. I can't actually explain this. And if you can, I would love to hear it because Jaquan Brisker really won me over this last year, specifically in when a running back hits him, normally a safety is a free fall forward, except for Brisker who somehow stops the momentum. Totally. I'm like,
1: how strong are you, dude? the The thing is, is that he's not, he's not a big man. Not that big right like he's like and i say that y'all like he's like 200 pounds like he's not 220 he's like 200 pounds for strong safety which is kind of ridiculous he just, to me like i think of uh, to me i think part of it is like the design of the defense like geno stone for example free safety right free agent people are really excited about him he's not a good in run support. I think that you can live with that, just like we lived with Eddie Jackson, not great in run support a lot of times. With this with this safety position, you can't live with a guy that can't cover.
0: No, and especially not two. If you're going to live with one and you're going to play right. a lot of cover three because you're worried that Brisker, hey, can we just be real about this, Nick? Wow, why did the Bears' defense work so much better when they got out of cover two? It's almost like one of their safeties is not particularly great at the half field safety role despite them wanting him to be. So instead they picked a defense where they could just stick him in the flat every single major coverage snap and they could just let Eddie do the whole thing. Well, if you bring in a safety that whether, I mean, honestly putting a rookie in this role would be a lot. So if you bring in a free agent, they can at least cover that piece of the field. And then you bring in another rookie who can hopefully take over for him in his second year. You might just have an Adrian Amos situation on your hands.
1: You (laughs) want to hear, you want to hear another wild scenario? Give it to me. You bring in two safeties and you play brisker down. Like a lot of teams are doing now. They're in those three safety looks Oh, like the big dime thing. And and, that, and then all of a sudden you're playing to everyone's strengths, which is crazy from a coach's perspective to put players in positions that they're successful all the time. But that could be a case, too. Well, you'd have to take somebody off the field. So I wonder who I you'd
0: take off the field because I really like what Gordon's doing in the nickel. Mm-hmm. I understand that PFF doesn't. I would love sometimes to talk to PFF's graders and be like, what are you not? What are you not liking? I mean, mm-hmm. is it the fact that he gives up yardage and coverage? Am I missing the guys that don't? You know what I mean? Like, according to the structure of the defense, you think that you think that's Gordon's fault? That right there? But anyways, rant aside, it's like there's pieces to this Bears defense that you could tell that they want to use. And if they did have that many safeties, I don't know how they're going to use them well. Whereas I do think, Nick, there is there comes a time, and God, I hope the Bears are almost here. Nick, it's been over a decade. And for the last decade, the Bears have fit, built such thin rosters that questions like, well, what would you do with Gervon Dexter have been the norm because we act as if you get 22 players and I everybody know. else
1: doesn't matter. That's, no. that, my, my, my answer to your question was someone can take a rest. <laughs> right. Cause like, that's just not like, cause you and know, it was works. like, Oh, wh- why is Montez sweat not in on this drive? And we have to have just crap out there at the end. It's like, Oh, Hey, we have good quality. They're just rotating. I like, will tell you, do. There are some positions where I think that works, and some
0: positions where I think that doesn't. The rotating corners thing with Terrell Smith drove me
1: nuts. <laughs> drove all of us nuts.
0: That it, it's like don't rotate your linemen. You can rotate your receivers instead. Don't rotate. <laughs> don't rotate your corners. You can mm-hmm. rotate your backer if you want to. You definitely should rotate your defensive line, but don't rotate your corner, bro
1: but well i mean you can't rotate your quarterback but you can rotate running backs you can rotate you know you take give dj Moore a rest every once in a while
0: i agree nick good show love this podcast man all right so we are finally going to make the sunday recorded monday released episode that we keep saying we're going to we're going to do it this week we're going to have reason to do it this week because we're going to have combine stuff so Mm -hmm. we'll do that uh nick you got anything coming up you're excited about
1: no, and actually, I have to let you guys know because I've told you about that article that I' had yes. coming out. Yeah, uh, it's not going to come. Why? So let me tell you why. So after finding all of the data of teams with multiple first round picks versus teams with none, right? Uh huh. I had conclusions. Uh huh. But I, I can't tell you that's why teams went up and went down because a lot of times the teams with multiple first round picks were rebuilding. And a lot of times the teams with no first round picks were playoff teams. So then obviously they're going to go down and wins. So I, I wasn't conclusive. So oh unfortunate. Gosh, I put a lot of time into something that was not Well, but- If you
0: find a way to tweak it so that it does a cool thing, there's always a spot for you, whether it's at football guys or over at DBB. Sure, and- man, I appreciate it. And at DBB, I'm hoping that we can get some sweet film stuff out. Uh, Kyle Morris, the guy who did a really good article, I don't know if you saw it, Nick, on Caleb Williams' time to throw, basically put in perspective. And if not, I can send you the link afterwards. Where basically he dug into a whole bunch of advanced stats and compared all kinds of quarterbacks over the last bunch of years and found, because he originally started the offseason. Uh, basically saying I wouldn't draft Caleb Williams if it was me. And the part he didn't mention in his article is that I kept bothering him. And I was like, well, okay, what about this? What about this? What about this? Because to me, I kept seeing that number. And I was like, this number is not lining up with what I'm seeing on tape. And all I ever want, Nick, is for the numbers to line up with the tape. Either I'm wrong or the numbers are out of bounds for one reason or another. Well, Mm -hmm. I convinced Kyle to do more of them so he's already written something about jaden daniels i'm trying to get him to write something about may and i'll see if i can't string together a film-based accompaniment to go with each of them so that we can outline here's what the numbers are saying here's what that looks like on tape but all that and more coming at you over on the site thank you guys for listening If you made it to this point and you haven't already, you owe it to yourself to give us a five-star review on Apple or on Spotify. Help us get the ratings for this thing up. Tell your friends, we are trying to grow this thing to the point where we can do it and get a sponsorship, which, yeah, I mean, an ad read for you, but it would mean enough money for us to justify it to our significant others. Nick's getting married. I am married. So every little bit of support really does help more than you know. DM us if you made it this far in the podcast with your favorite part of the podcast. Let us know if you've got things that you want to fix. And until next time, everybody, bear down. Thanks so much for being with us.